Hi everyone and welcome to Bridging the Gap. I'm your host, Kelly Lavelle, and this week I'm joined by Glenn Smith to discuss the keys of business collaboration. Glenn is the Vice President of Communitech, an organization that helps tech companies start up and succeed. He's also the former chairman of Blue Sea Philanthropy. As founding board chair, he built the board to oversee Blue Sea Philanthropy as a public foundation. To date, over 300 charitable partners have shared in almost $20 million through the Innovative Partner Grant Program. I'm so pleased to have Glenn with us today. Thank you again for joining us, Glenn. Can you start us off by sharing how you got involved in basically uh, serving as the intersection between business and philanthropy? Sure. Uh, I, I've always had uh, an interest in uh, organize, organizations that have a strong social purpose. And um, I would say it, in the beginning, uh, I was doing that primarily through uh, volunteer work and uh, my, my background is as an engineer and uh, but all my work experience has been in I'll say corporate and business development with uh, a number of for-profit organizations but what I have uh, I think experienced over time is that I am um, it's I think it's a powerful thing to be involved with a organization that has a, a social purpose. And I even think a lot of, I'll say, significant undertakings in our world today often start with a social purpose. So I might point to Elon Musk's companies as an example of that, where he's trying to address looming large problems through a, uh, through a business. And so what I, I see from an outsider's perspective is that there is a large uh, desire to make a difference in a, uh, or a cause as you were, and basically bring together or, or make it possible to address those causes through a business. So I, th I think that's where the biggest opportunities are today is if someone ident identifies a, a cause or a social purpose and then builds a business around that, I think there are some very large opportunities today. I believe that social entrepreneurship or enterprises are um, certainly, I agree, they're, they're growing in popularity and we're seeing more and more of them. But I do also see that there's still a little bit in terms of the business world pushback in terms of when it comes to things like finding investments and building the actual business because you're kind of in this in-between stage. You don't fit in with all the for-profit guys and you don't fit in with all the non-profit guys. So do you have any advice for um, entrepreneurs who are pursuing a, a social enterprise in helping to gain support for their business? Sure. Um, first of all, I would, I would say uh, just because you're focused on a social cause, don't assume that you need to set your business up or your organization up as a not-for-profit or a, a charity. Uh, I think um, it can be successful as a for-profit entity. Uh, I look at a lot of um, B Corps that are out there doing exactly that, where they have set themselves up as a for-profit entity but have uh, embraced uh, what it means to be a benefit corporation in addition to that. And um, I think that allows them to, to uh, do both. With your experience working between the sectors, um, how important is the collaboration or um, kind of alliances with businesses and nonprofits together? So 
I think there is lots of opportunities for intersection. And I see business being more and more interested in that from the standpoint that I think the, um, uh, the current generation is looking more than any generation has before at business as a means to solve some of these big problems, but they're looking at them to have sort of, I'll say a social conscience and, and that dictates where they might want to spend their time. So if, if they have a choice between two companies, as far as one has a clear social conscience than the other, I believe that the, the current generation uh, would gravitate towards the one with the social conscience together. And so business has become aware of that. And if they want to be successful at attracting talent, uh, right or wrong, that's what's motivating them to be more aware of, um, of uh, social causes and, and social purposes that their business might make sense of. One organization that I think is doing this really well is a company called Unilever over in the UK. They would be a competitor with uh, Procter & Gamble. And uh, if you look at the social purpose or the causes that they've taken up, they fit really well within their business. I'll give you an example. They've, they've taken up causes around reducing and, and recycling. And if you think about what their business is, it, they produce a lot of goods. So they're producing a lot of containers, if you will, that end up having to be recycled. So from their business perspective, it makes perfect sense that they would be highly engaged with what happens with those, um, uh, those products after they're used. Um, and I think there's lots of other examples like that out there, but I would I would point to Unilever as as one that's done a great job of marrying uh, a, a cause or a purpose with their business. It's not something that you look at and you go, okay, well they made they, I don't get the connection. It's very clear why Unilever would have chosen the purpose or causes that they've chosen. Well, Unilever is quite interesting because I I met with um their CMO. Um, in the UK, and they're creating um, sustainable living brands. Um, but one thing that he said was really interesting was that he, um, CSR department, because he believes that sustainability and, and um, social good should be intrinsically um, part of their business fully rather than this isolated department. And I thought that was a really exactly. interesting perspective because I haven't seen that come up before. When we kind of even look in our current um, relationships even with nonprofits and things like that we kind of always kind of lump it together in this like oh this is our donation arm and our and our community arm what is your perspective of of like Unilever kind of pulling that out and instead just making social purpose part of everything in a business so that I think that is the direction that uh, business needs to go um, and I think um, I'm looking for more examples out there I agree with you and the CMO, I look at some organizations which will go unnamed. And if I look at their corp, their CSR statements, it basically boils down to good customer service. Uh, I, I don't see that as a powerful attraction uh, for bringing for for people to join that business at all. And I think what Unilever do, is doing is very smart. Um, at like, and that's why I said it's attractive to me because they've aligned their cause intentionally with the business. 
I think it's an interesting uh, approach as well. Um, and the fact that I think when we sometimes view as I want to have um, a social purpose in my business and you started off as a for-profit, sometimes you just naturally think, okay, well, I'll just line with a nonprofit organization and they'll be my, like my cause. Um, where the approach that you're describing in some sense are very entrepreneurial. It's almost just um, attra um, addressing a solution within your business um, for a greater purpose rather than necessarily have actually having to align um, and just give to a cause. Uh, are you finding that the kind of the social entrepreneurial approach is business is, is increasing or do you still find more um, the inclination just to partner with uh, nonprofits? Uh, I think you still see both out there. These, these things do take time to transcend across industry, but I, I do see more and more examples of, you know, if I, if I was think of a Canadian company, one that comes to mind is TELUS. I think they have probably, I would say they would, within the Canadian context, the Canadian landscape, they would be a front runner. So you asked an earlier question, Kelly, about attracting investment. And all companies have to think of that, whether they're big or small, uh, they're thinking of their shareholders uh, or attracting shareholders. And if, what the if the cause aligned with the business, the shareholder gets that, and it makes intuitive sense to them. And it doesn't, it doesn't raise questions in their mind. When it's unaligned, they maybe not, don't see the connection if there, if there is one as readily. Um, so I think it, it's smart to go down this path because it also helps in engagement of both existing and future stakeholders. So for a company that wants to kind of bring a heart into their organization or have that greater purpose, one uh, tip would be to first think about causes or things that are aligned with the business operations that they do. Um, do you have That's any right. advice for um, what they could do from there once they've found their cause and they know what they want to do, how they can actually go about integrating um, that into their way of business? Sure. So uh, every organization, uh, every organization I've been involved with, and I think this applies to all organizations, um, you need to think about what you want to do on your own, what you want to partner with, with someone else, and what you think others are better at and you want to support. So I think all of those approaches are viable and it's really up to the organization to think through each one. It might be that you want to uh, take on something uh, as an organization yourself because you think you, you can you're the best suited to do that. It, um, it might be that you look and you see a partner and uh, it makes sense to work together. Or it might be that you don't see the capacity or the skill sets inside your organization currently. And you do see another uh, organization that, that does have that. And so you choose to support them as a means to accomplishing the same. So I think all three of those approaches are applicable to any business, just depending on the capacity and resources within the organization. Business collaborations, um, I find, are, are sometimes difficult, the very first ones to establish for young companies, and rightfully so, because with older companies, you have attraction and reputation to kind of lean on. Do you have advice for young startups who want to build these alliances and how they could, um, strategies that they could secure them? Yeah, so um, I would say that, you know, anytime, uh, um, <laughs> a mouse is working with an elephant or um, even just two organizations looking to partner. I think it's really important for both organizations to be upfront with the other uh, about 
you know, what your current plans are, but also what your future, future directions are so that um, there's not a misunderstanding and ultimately a, uh, a falling apart. Um, so if, if I was, I think it's really important that both sides and if, and for the startup, I think you should feel free to ask those hard questions. You know, what are your current plans, current intentions, and what are your future plans of, of the partner? And I think uh, that's the best way to come to a, uh, a, a potential um, uh, partnership because it, here's, here's the, the truth. The truth is that big organizations, if that's who a startup's talking to, sometimes think that they can do, in fact, oftentimes think that they can do it better themselves, whatever it is. And it's really important that you have some hard conversations with them to get a feel for, is this something that they feel that, like, is, is this a possible outcome? And if it is, what does that bigger organization need to be convinced of that the startup could actually uh, be a viable partner? That's really, so, so the startup needs to come in thinking, not, not negatively, but I'll say realistically, and just knowing that it's always an option for the big company or the larger partner to go off and do it themselves. And I think that's, that's really the tough conversation needs to happen up front so that both people or both organizations are on the same page. I think you bring up a really good point. And I think that's a, a big fear for many um, young entrepreneurs or, or young companies is the fact that kind of you go to the big guys and they kind of just stomp on you, take your ideas, and then you're, you're left by the right wayside because they do have the resources to do that. So are there right. specific uh, strategies that can kind of help boost our case or, or kind of prevent organizations from wanting to, to do that? Um, yeah, I would, I would, are the specific strategies, I think it's, it's that line of questioning up front, just because you're the small guy, don't be afraid of asking the hard questions. I think that's where I'm coming from. Um, you might want to, so if it's a, you know, you might want to ask them if your solution, whatever your solution is, is core to the business as opposed to complementary. If it's core to the, to the larger organization, it's more likely that the larger organization might want to do it themselves. Okay, so that that's that's one uh, way you could uh, you could look at it. If um, it's complementary, well, then it's likely not so critical to the organization, the partner, and they might be more willing to uh, truly partner with someone. Um, so the, the second thing I might say on that is. Uh, I'll say the type, so, so it's also thinking about the type of solution, ask them straight out, is this an area that you're looking to uh, build your own capacity and own knowledge of, or are you wanting to um, not build capacity in this area? If they're not looking to build capacity, then it's more likely a partnership will evolve. But I think, I just think the startup needs to be much more, I'll say more, not aggressive, but assertive on setting expectations up front and not feeling like you're the small guys so you need to be careful you know you're both going to part you're both going to be a partner in this so think of yourselves on equal footing with the other company even though they may be much larger
I agree. I think confidence, especially in the boardroom, is key, regardless of your background, how small or big you actually are. I almost view it as you were kind of talking, it's kind of like this peacock who has to kind of like fluff their feathers <laughs> when they go into the boardroom, so to speak, mm -hmm. um, and really yeah. kind of hold your ground that you you're coming to them offering value to them, and you need to, um, you need to own that a little bit. But I you make a good point that you want, I've never heard that before looking at to be more complimentary than core. And I think that's actually a really interesting perspective because kind of innately you may think, okay, I want to find a huge pain point of this company that is core to their business because then they're going to love me and that's going to make, like they'll understand my solution more, but you almost are describing to kind of find a Goldilocks scenario where find something that's, that's of interest to them. And that is a much of a pain, but isn't so essential to their business that they're apt to kind of absorb you, but more so that they rather just partner with you because it's easier if you do it for them than them. So right. that's a really interesting perspective. Um, with the digital era uh, and as increasingly as we're working with things like social media and things like that, how important is it for when building collaborations to have face to face? So uh, it's a great, great question. I think, so the great thing about face to face is I think there is less opportunity for misunderstanding. So in email, in digital, um, phone, you know, just, just any sort of a chat. You're, I can't remember the stats, but you know, body language is a big piece of the, the communication. And if you can't see the body as it were, you're losing a piece. But I think also even without that perspective, there's just more opportunity for uh, misunderstanding or um, miscommunication. And I think that's why face-to-face -face usually results in building a stronger relationship. So I actually think um, you, there are certain things you can do without face-to-face, -face, but I think it's important to maintain, uh, if you're gonna maintain and grow that relationship, especially if you're gonna be a partner, then for sure you've gotta have some uh, relationship that is uh, that where face-to-face -face plays a role. I agree in that when you have that, um... Like you said, when you're in the per the room, um, there's an emotional connect that you just don't get through digital. And more importantly, for entrepreneurs, it's that's easier to reject someone when you don't see yeah. them. <laughs> it's a lot easier right. to ignore an email or to say no when you don't see the reaction on the other face. Just kind of right. look at it. so just like even with employees, right? Like it's a, it's much like when you break up with someone, right? You rather do it over text or something because you don't need to see the reaction. Um, that, same type yeah. of thing. So my final question is, when forming business uh, partnerships, what benefits would um, a business have from perhaps partnering with a young entrepreneur? So in our ecosystem here at Communitech, uh, we see these opportunities all the time. Um, one of the reasons large companies show an interest in our ecosystem is because they are trying to do a better job of, um, I'll say, acting like a startup behaving like a startup and uh, if you want to behave like someone it helps to hang out with them okay um, so at a big picture level that's that that's a that's a, a piece of the that's one of the pieces of the puzzle um, but if I think about the two different types of organizations the the startup versus the large um, basically a large organization has brand so they've got brand in play They've got uh, channels and they've got customers. 
Those are all valuable things to a startup, a small organization. On the flip side, what the large organization doesn't have typically is, um, I'll say, uh, an appetite for risk, or I, I would certainly say they're less risk, they are more risk adverse than a startup. Um, they can't move as fast. So if there's market demand and market demand shifts, it's a lot harder for the large organization to be nimble, whereas the small one can. And so you start seeing this complementarity between the two organizations. On the small side, you've got the ability to be agile and move fast, um, but you've also got this um, mindset that is uh, less risk, risk adverse. And so those startups will end up tackling things um, uh, and because there's a scale issue involved, do so on a uh, cost-effective basis. Whereas a large company might see an opportunity, but understand that, that you know they can't move as fast as they need to to take advantage of it. And even if they could, because of the processes and structure within that large business, it's going to cost them significant money. And so that slows things down. Um, so we have seen here in our ecosystem uh, partnerships result from large and small based exactly on that, where the large sees a market opportunity and knows that they either from a cost standpoint or a timing standpoint just can't execute appropriately, but they see that there's a smaller entity out there that already is on the path to uh, providing that solution. And so there, there are some... Uh, great results as a as a as a outcome to that. Uh, we've seen uh, relationships develop. Sometimes it's a customer relationship where the large business ends up being a customer of the small. Sometimes it's uh, some sort of technology partnership where there's some where collaboration happening that way. Sometimes it is uh, an investment can result where the large company will strategically invest in that small because they see that it could be. Um, beneficial to their business. So there's <clears throat> a number of different types of relationships that could evolve with that, but there certainly is great potential with small and large, and that's why we're encouraging it. But at the same time, we like to have playground rules in effect so that both parties understand that you know we're expecting them to play together fairly in the playground um, and ask these questions, set expectations at the front end for sort of rules of engagement in how this will, how this relationship might develop. Thank you, Glenn. I, I really believe some of the points you brought up today are, are very helpful for an organization who is looking to forge some of those initial collaborations and partnerships. It definitely serves, like you said, as a booster for young companies to get access to the clientele that they want or the market share and the reputation or the, the, um, the marketing and brand awareness reach while helping those companies kind of get a more agile partner who's able to kind of jump ship and, and, and work on opportunities that they want to get to and, and address, but may not be able to move as quickly with their large ship. <laughs> um, That's right. In, you're, actually, Kelly, you're, you reminded me of, of one additional thing I, I forgot, but it's important. When you're a young um, business, you are always trying to validate your idea as well. And so even if a, let's say a partnership doesn't evolve is you are validating the, the, 
the uh, suitability of your offering, right? So by engaging with different large enterprises, you're starting to see whether you've got something or not, and you can pivot or tweak accordingly. So that's another important piece. Even if there's not a successful monetary outcome, you're getting valid market feedback on your solution uh, by engaging. Yes, and then if you do secure that partnership, it increases some of your credibility and reputation when you're trying to sell to new clients or forge new partnerships, it kind of builds from there. So summary mm -hmm. of some of the tips is number one, be confident, know that you do bring value to the table Two, um, find companies that are aligned with you, but are complementary, not necessarily um, hitting head to head. And I think mm -hmm. um, through the, the power of questions, I think you've brought that up on several occasions and I do agree that um, questions are extremely uh, useful in, in collaborations, whether it's even just a sale or whether it's working with a partnership. Um, and there's, there's great power in being able to ask smart questions. So right. uh, for our listeners out there, definitely consider um, what those questions might be uh, when forming your relationships. Another tip, if you will, for your listeners is as they're engaging with larger organizations and they move up in the organization, so to speak, uh, notice the types of questions that are asked at different levels. I think you'll see that the type of questions asked at the C-level of your startup organization are quite different from that asked lower in the organization. So as a, to your point exactly around the art of questioning, there's a great learning opportunity to, to see the types of questions that are asked as you're moving in the hierarchy of the organization. That's actually a really good point because I, I hadn't considered that, but you're right. They also understanding um, your pitch should be actually different too. Like when you're working with the C-suite, mm -hmm. they're going to want more of the big picture over um, kind of overview when you're working with more the, maybe the manager that would actually be rolling out the program or the collaboration, they're going to want a lot more of the details and the right. logistics type of conversation. So that's, that's right. actually a really good point. That's right. Thank you so much, Glenn, for joining us today. I think your some of the insights are certainly valuable um, for young entrepreneurs or companies who just want to foster more meaningful collaborations and partnerships in their businesses. For our listeners, it is your turn to share what you think. Hashtag uh, bridging the gap and join the conversation to share if you have any other tips to add when fostering collaborations or if you know a killer question to bring with you into the boardroom. Thank you again for joining us, Glenn, and stay tuned for next week.